Good morning, everyone. I've been so looking at our first reading, uh, Moses, it uh, becomes apparent that uh, the community is growing and Moses is going to need more help. And uh, I can certainly relate to that. <laughs> um, but um, Moses, uh, oddly enough, does not ask for it, but God makes the decision about what he will do for the community. And it is one of the underlying uh, messages from that first reading. This is God's choice. God has done this. And uh, we see Joshua becomes upset uh, uh, because the, God's graciousness, his gift and grace is being poured out upon the 72. And um, when in, in the Old Testament, uh, prophecy uh, doesn't mean fortune-telling. That's not what prophecy, that's not what prophets do. They bring the word of God in the time that it is needed. And uh, so uh, what's happening is uh, um, there's leadership coming. Uh, that's what the 72 are being uh, God's grace is falling on them so they can be leaders of this ever-growing community and to be righteous before God. Um, for those who study the Old Testament, you should immediately, uh, it says that God comes and a cloud descends upon them. It is not a fog. It is not a thunderstorm. It is a particular type of cloud known as Shekinah. Shekinah is that cloud uh, that was on the mountain and stuff, and it it, uh, it's illuminated, and it's the very presence of God. And we hear about uh, that very same cloud uh, during, the, during the day when the, they were traveling through the desert and in the evening a pillar of fire. So it's a particular type letting them know that God is present to them this way. And Joshua uh, becomes resentful and jealous. And we even hear Moses say, Are you jealous on my behalf, uh, or is this about you? And uh, Moses certainly welcomes the assistance, and more so that God has done this. God has chosen this. Um, St. James, uh, if you just read just what the lectionary proposes to us, you know, instead of the whole chapter, uh, you would think that anyone who's rich is being condemned by St. James, but that's not what it's about. St. James is getting at something different. There is, first of all, the exploitation. He's, what he's, if you read the whole chapter, uh, he's talking to those who have amassed great amount of wealth and possession, and they've done it through wickedness. They've exploited people, and they've used them. They've, uh, in their time, they, uh, uh, their workers have died because of neglect. And St. James is saying, those, these folks have called out to the God in heaven, and you are going to be punished for this. You are going to be held accountable. And if that wasn't enough, now they have taken all that, all that wealth and they've made it into little gods. They almost worship it. Their whole life is driven by getting more. So this is what St. James is getting at. He's not talking about, he's not condemning the wealth itself, but how they amassed it and how they look at it, but more than how they treat it. Um, the poor amongst them and the employees, if you will, of their time. When we get to the gospel, um, there's many themes going on, and one of them is that of tolerance. And, uh, and then Jesus will speak about those who uh, create scandal uh, within the community. And uh, so, my friends, uh, we've been working on our discipleship, and being a disciple of Jesus Christ is going to require you to make concrete decisions and choices 
And those decisions and choices are going to uh, dictate how you act and how you speak and how you think and uh, how you relate to God and how you relate to others. It is crucial in discipleship that we really discern all of this about how, what we think, what we say, and what we do. The actions of the disciple uh, from our gospel is lacking in generosity and warmth of heart. John, of all, wants to admonish another person because they're not familiar to him. Or as Jesus says, they're not of my company uh, because he was doing something good in Jesus' name. This is where we can extrapolate the tolerance. Jesus is saying, be tolerant. He cannot do this in my name and at the same time be wicked to me or to us. And yes, the, in particular, the, remember in Jesus' time, if you were ill, it was considered you were possessed by a demon. And, of course, there was also true possession by demons. So whatever uh, these folks were doing, they were healing in some way. And they were doing it in Jesus' name. And the disciples became angry about it. And then, again, jealousy, probably. And like we see with Joshua in the first reading. And Jesus corrects their thought on this by responding. And no one performs a mighty deed in my name and at the same time will be speaking evil of me. And Jesus tells them, furthermore, even the smallest of generosities, a cup of water. Now, a cup of water would have been extreme uh, generosity in, in, uh, in Jesus' time, but uh, the cup of water represents kindness uh, to someone in need. And uh, so he said, uh, even the smallest of generosities, like giving this sip of water, will not go unnoticed by the Lord. So I'm immediately thinking, okay, if that doesn't go unnoticed, what about the opposite? When you are hurling insults at these least ones, when you are mean-spirited to them, if, if our Lord remembers even the smallest of kindness, will he not remember the wickedness you have done to somebody? Yeah. Gehenna. Somewhere you don't want to be. Now, the scriptures didn't say that, but all of you are very intelligent. You can understand what the opposite of I will remember even the smallest kindness. And at the same time, if you are wicked to someone. And the little ones that he's talking about are not the children. He's talking about uh, the word that's used in the Greek is an born spirit. And even those who might be, in, remember in Jesus' time, most people couldn't read. So in that sense, they became, they were ignorant of everything. So Jesus is saying, if any of you lead one of these to sin by your scandalous behavior, it will not go well for you. He says, better you have a big old rock around your neck and be thrown in the, whew, that's pretty rough. And Jesus is relieving, revealing a truth about uh, that, but moving back to generosity, um, God is generous. Remember Jesus, we're talking about the Son of God, we're talking about God. And if this is important to God, then it must be important to us. And he's getting at, um, God is very generous and lavishes blessings upon all of his creation. And we can definitely see that from the first reading. God chooses who he's going to pour those gifts upon. And uh, as disciples, we ought to be doing the same thing, meaning we must be generous in our ways and our thoughts and by caring for others, especially those most in need, the Anawims. But unfortunately, many times, like the Apostle John's passage, uh, we are less than generous with our Lord, and uh, we are more concerned with ourselves. 
as St. James would put forth, and we refuse to give freely and to give generously to others as we have received from God. You'll go, go to Matthew 10, 8. Jesus speaks about that there. Perhaps other times, um, the other piece, it seems that John would be envious of the good that somebody else is doing, as if it somehow detracts from what goodness we're doing or makes it insignificant or worse, makes us look bad. If you think you look bad before God, then get busy about looking good. <laughs> Don't be worrying about what that person's doing down the street. Matter of fact, we should be thanking God. I give you glory that that person's walking in holiness. I'm not doing so well, dear Father. Help me. Give me more grace instead of belittling the person. My friends, uh, in God there is no selfishness and, uh, uh, and there's no envy there. And so we need to walk in that way too. God gives us many things, wisdom and grace and mercy and virtues of all sorts. Many times we do not see God's generosity and his grace in our lives um, because our egos get in the way. St. James would agree with me on this, so would St. Paul. And uh, my friends, uh, a couple of weeks ago I... I asked you about that. Who is God to you? Who is our Lord? How you understand him, how you see him, is how you relate to him and how you relate to others. So you see God only as a selfish God and a taskmaster and vindictive God. No wonder you run and hide. He will just find you and correct your thinking about that. But um, perhaps the remedy we should seek, seek God as he truly is generous and loving, and look for the opportunities that he gives us to be instruments of his grace and peace in the world. I mean, I encounter many people who don't see God this way. They see him as mean and vindictive and uh, only keeps a list of our sins and our shortcomings of it. But I think if we really uh, think about it and pray about it, uh, we would come to a different uh, understanding of him and uh, the gospel today, Jesus points out that there will be judgment. Um, he says that even someone uh, who just gives a drink of water uh, and who is generous, though, uh, is, shows great love, and that will follow them. And uh, He says they will not lose the reward. And so I think about every act of forgiveness, every donation to a worthy cause, every penny put into the collection, every piece of clothing given to the poor, uh, every kind letter you send someone, every visit you make to someone who is ill or alone, every prayer offered for another, every word of comfort, every good instruction to another, every guidance given, every single action that we perform in our Christian efforts to imitate our Lord, every effort to love as God does and love our neighbor will be remembered. And even more than that, according to the Scriptures, God takes great delight in it. So if you want to make him smile, do that. Rewards are being stored up in heaven. I know Protestants don't like that because <laughs> it sounds like we're earning things, <laughs> but that's not what I'm saying. But these two will be part and parcel of the conditions under which we will be judged. There's a big stream of consciousness now that says, oh, God will not judge you. That's not in the scripture. <laughs> it's just the opposite, and we just heard it today. He will be judging. 
being disciples requires essential choices and decisions on how we will live, how we will think, what we will say, what we will do to God and to others. And this is the demand of all who are baptized. Faithful service is expressed not so much in occasional good deeds, but in the ongoing deliberate, decided patterns of unselfishness and generosity and behaviors that are becoming and give God glory. We just need to look for those opportunities. And my friends, uh, when I think about the tolerance that Jesus, you know, uh, they said, look, look what they're doing over there. Uh, they don't walk with us and they're healing people. <laughs> Jesus is like, leave them alone. <laughs> let them be. And so for us in this time, uh, let us, uh, the, God's kingdom is great and it's huge. And we are a vast part of that as Roman Catholics. But there are more Christians too to which we must be tolerant and encourage them to continue to walk in holiness and do God's work also and come together. I'm telling you, the time is coming when the Christian denominations, the Christian kingdom are going to have to come together because uh, the wicked one is coming and the ways of this world are growing worse and it will require all Christians to come together, all of us, Roman Catholics and all 32,000 denominations of Protestants. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> right? That's a lot. Uh, to the glory of God. Huh? So uh, we've got to learn how to get along and work together. Uh, this is what the Lord desires. You remember, Father, that they would believe that you sent me and that they would be one as you and I are one. So we've got to start getting there. That's going to be crucial in the times coming. Uh, my friends, um, I'm going on an adventure. That's the best way to put it. I'm going on an adventure. And uh, with God's grace and favor, I'll be back on October 15th. <laughs> if he chooses to make, let me continue my adventure, well, so be it. <laughs> I think the Archbishop would have a different opinion about that. <laughs> He'll be summoning me home quickly. Uh, but uh, I'll be with friends. This is purely an adventure of, of, friend, of friendship and hanging out with friends who I haven't seen haven't spent time with. So. Uh, but in, uh, while I'm gone, uh, Father Gallagher will handle the daily Masses. He can't on Wednesday, which happens to be the uh, Feast of the Guardian Angels, uh, uh, the Archangels, actually. And, uh, but uh, he'll cover all the other daily Masses. Uh, next week, Father Ellen Bauer will be here. He's part of the Cross Catholic uh, Outreach Ministries. And he will come and talk to you about the very folks I was talking about, the Anawims, the poor in our world uh, who need things, and he'll ask you to pray about it and perhaps support their ministry. And that'll be wonderful. But what's even more exciting is the following weekend. The following weekend, Abbot Marion is coming, and he is going to preach on Saturday evening. And he is an amazing, gifted speaker. And uh, um, he's going to come, and he's bringing uh, one of the priest monks with him, Father Paul. And uh, uh, it'll be remarkable. So on next week, two weeks from now, Saturday evening, the reason why the abbot is coming is because he wants to talk to our teens and our young folks and our young adults about vocations. Now, when you hear vocations, you think priesthood. 
Abbot Marion is going to broaden that. I mean, he's going to really open the spectrum on that. He will be speaking about vocations to the priesthood and the diaconate. But he also wants to talk, uh, and he's going to have a panel with him, a monk. He's going to have a sister, a Dominican sister. Uh, he wants to talk about uh, vocations to the consecrated life. If, if someone's interested in becoming a monk or a brother, if someone's interested in becoming a nun or a sister, this is the evening to come. He also um, is going to have a, a young uh, uh, Catholic couple who are married to speak about the vocation of marriage life. That is a vocation also. But there's something else that he's going to do that's absolutely fascinating to me. He wants to talk to the teens about dating. Now, what does a celibate monk who lives in an abbey have to say about teenagers dating? That's going to be really interesting. So I am encouraging and all the teens, you got to come. You got to come and let, let the abbot talk to you about dating in 2021 as a Christian person. And uh, uh, while the focus is on uh, young married adults, young adults, the teens, uh, no one will be turned away, but this is the focus. Uh, so uh, please, uh, everyone's invited. Um, dating in 2021. <laughs> Good thing to come. But uh, Abbot Marion uh, is incredible. I think he's probably the youngest abbot that I know. Um, and uh, he used to be one of, <laughs> considering the costumes, I have to be very careful. Uh, he used to be a diocesan priest like me, and then he jumped ship. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that's because that's what God wanted. When God wants something, and it must be what he's following because now he's an abbot. Uh, so I'm just in awe of that. He was ordained five years before me, and now he's an abbot in a monastery. But he's incredible, a gifted speaker, kind man. Uh, immediately following that 5.30 Mass, uh, they'll move into the hall and begin the panel. And they want to have a lot of time just for questions and answers. So I encourage, uh, I've asked our principal to encourage the eighth grade class to come because they're already beginning to think about what they want to do. And... When they graduate from here, they're going into high school, and there's all kinds of crazy madness going on in the high school. And the dating thing, even though parents tell them not to, they do. How do I know that? <laughs> Without revealing anyone, um, in confession I hear all kinds of things. <laughs> so I think it's just amazing that the abbot's going to talk about that. So I'm just, I'm, I'm still boggled by it. Uh, but uh, uh, know that uh, if I had planned this out better, I would have been able to put out a booklet again to, for you to write your prayer intentions, and I would carry it with me as I go on my adventure. Uh, but uh, I couldn't. But know that I love you. Uh, you'll be in good hands. I will uh, be praying for you the whole time.